0: Thank you. Hello and welcome to the First Day in Football Show. I am your host Tobias Brown. And folks, we are back with another great episode for you guys today. We're looking at all 32 NFL teams and I'm going to go through and give you guys my favorite and least favorite move from each team. Given the fact that we are about the halfway point of the free agent market, we've kind of gone through wave one of free agency. We've seen a lot of big names come off the market, but there's still a lot of big names available. Guys like Odell Beckham Jr., A.J. Green, Jarvis Landry... All still available, all can make huge impacts on contenders. We see guys like Julio Jones, Calais Campbell, Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew, also all still available. There's still a lot of names out there on the offensive line. You got guys like Dwayne Brown and Eric Fisher still available, still can come in and play, give you good starting tackle play right away. A lot of names still available. But since we're at the halfway point of free agency, I did want to go through and give you guys my favorite and least favorite move by every team so far. We're gonna start in the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills and looking at the Buffalo Bills they did make the one splash signing bringing in Von Miller on the 6 year $120 million contract a lot of people would say well how do you not pick Von Miller that is got to be one of the most impactful signings, correct? And yes, Von Miller is going to help that pass rush a ton. Having a Von Miller is always a good thing when you're a football team, but he's not my favorite signing. And a lot of it has to do with the value of the signing. I love the fact that the Buffalo Bills brought in offensive guard Roger Saffold, the former Tennessee Titan. He was cut by the Titans as a cap casualty. The Buffalo Bills needed a solid guard. They had been searching for guard play for a while. John Feliciano had started for them a little bit, and then this last offseason they brought in former Charger, Forrest Lamp. Forrest Lamp didn't cut it in Buffalo, and there's kind of been a hole at that guard position. It's the one position on the offensive line you'd like to see them lock up a little bit better. Roger Saffold, a huge get for them. Love the fact that it's kind of a one-year deal, a chance for him to maybe rejuvenate his market and also a chance for buffalo to get very solid guard play at a cheap price my least favorite move for the bills and this is a little bit tic-tac-y because the bills have not done a ton to dislike they've you know, really, all of their signings have been smart, whether it's the Von Miller, the Roger Saffold. I like them bringing in Jamison Crowder to be wide receiver three. I love the signing of Duke Johnson, a cheap running back to complement Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. My least favorite move that the Buffalo Bills have made so far this offseason is the lack of of cornerback signing. They need help in that defensive backfield. Tredavious White is one of the best corners in football. The safety play of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer is elite. That combo with safety is one of the better safety combos in football. But opposite Tredavious White at the corner position, they, they don't have a ton. Levi Wallace was their corner two last year. He has left. He went to Pittsburgh. So at corner two, they have a gaping hole there. And the only... Move they've made in the defensive secondary right now is re signing Saran Neal. Not a big, you know, needle moving move. I'd love to have seen them try to get back in on Stephon Gilmore. Obviously, Gilmore's. Played in Buffalo before going to New England. Would love to see them get in on a guy like that. They just, I would like to see them make a move to address corner. Obviously, the draft's still there. There's corners in the draft. Guys like Roger McCreary out of Auburn. Trent McDuffie from Washington. Andrew Booth from Clemson is another one who could be available when Buffalo picks. Those types of guys would definitely move the needle for this Buffalo Bills team. A little bit of a nitpicky thing, considering that Buffalo has made so many great moves this offseason. But if I had to pick a least favorite move in Buffalo, it would be that. Moving on to the Miami Dolphins, looking at their offseason, they're another team that's made a ton of moves, a ton of moves that are hard not to like. A lot of people are going to say, Tyreek Hill has to be your favorite move, right? Obviously, you get one of the best wide receivers in football. You you pair him with an emerging young wide receiver and a Jalen Waddle. How is that not a slam-dunk move? And the only thing I would say with the Tyreek Hill trade that's holding me back from making it my favorite move for the Miami Dolphins is the amount of draft capital they invested in a non-quarterback position player. You know, when you're trading for a non-quarterback position player, it's very hard for that player to live up to multiple picks. You know, Tyreek Hill's impact on the game, it's going to be hard for him to have a greater impact than five draft picks. And then you give him a contract that's similar to what you would see a quarterback sign. It It's hard for Tyreek Hill's value to live up to that no matter how well he plays. I like the move. I love the idea of putting Tyreek Hill with a Jalen Waddle, with a Devontae Parker, with a Cedric Wilson, with Mike Jacecki at tight end. I like the move from that standpoint. I just don't love the amount that they invested in it. And that's what's keeping me from making Tyreek Hill my favorite move for the Miami Dolphins this offseason. And that's why I'm going with the signing of backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater on a one-year, $6.5 million fully guaranteed contract. That is my favorite move Miami has made. And the reason being is because this is a prove-it year for Tua Tugavailoa. If he comes out and struggles, if Tua is not the first-round quarterback that the Dolphins drafted him to be this coming season, you have a guy in Teddy Bridgewater who can come in and close out the season and get you to respectability at the end of the year. Can make sure Mike McDaniel's first year as a head coach is not a train wreck because of poor quarterback play. Teddy Bridgewater, like we've said before on this show, he's not going to win you games necessarily, but he will definitely not lose you games with bad turnovers Turnovers and bad decisions. He is he takes care of the football and he is a game managing quarterback. And with this type of elite talent surrounding him at the playmaker position, this is the type of signing I love. It's competition for Tua. We saw Tua early on with a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick when Tua first broke into the league. Fitzpatrick gave him competition. This past year they brought in Jacoby Brissett. Brissett didn't challenge him nearly as much, and it was pretty much Tua's job guaranteed. Tua needs that competition at this point. He's not done anything to warrant the Dolphins saying, "Tua, this is definitively your job." Like the idea of bringing competition in, my least favorite move for the Miami Dolphins is the re-signing of Emmanuel Agba. I like Emmanuel Agba the player, and I think he's a solid pass rusher. What I don't like is the contract that gave him 4-year, years, $65 million dollars for a player of Agba's, cal- you know, caliber just I don't love the idea, especially given the fact that a guy like Zadarius Smith just signed for less money. I understand Miami wanted to bring back a player in their own locker room, a guy who has emerged with them. You want to reward guys like that. I just don't love the money giving Ogba that big of a deal. Moving on to the New England Patriots, another team who has not done a ton this offseason. My favorite move for New England would be siding corner Malcolm Butler they give Malcolm Butler a two-year deal he started his career in New England was a Super Bowl hero intercepting Russell Wilson on that throw near the end zone to clinch the Super Bowl but then his departure from New England was a little rough of course he was benched in the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles the Patriots lose in a rather embarrassing fashion having the football thrown all over the field on them by Nick Foles in that game Malcolm Butler inexplicably was benched. You know, Bill Belichick never really addressed why he benched Malcolm Butler. Butler departed and went to Tennessee not a you know he played well in Tennessee but it was not as elite as I think the Titans would have hoped for he's now back in New England and the reason I like this signing is obviously New England traded corner Stephon Gilmore in season last year to Carolina and then this off season cornerback JC Jackson departed and took a big deal with the Los Angeles Chargers so there was a hole at the corner position now New England has guys at the corner spot that aren't bad you got guys like Joe Juwan Williams who are going to have to step it on step it up now but bringing in a Malcolm Butler there's a solid baseline of play you will get with him and that's why I like the move from that standpoint my least favorite move if I'm a New England Patriots fan is the lack of capital they've spent at the wide receiver position I know they spent big last year and in that spending spree included bringing in two wide receivers and Kendrick Bourne the former San Francisco 49er and Nelson Aguilar but neither of those moves are needle moving moves neither of those guys are elite wide receivers they're both wide receiver 3s maybe low end wide receiver 2s so to make those your big you know spending spree wide receiver moves Really is not attractive. And then this offseason, they've not brought in a wide receiver whatsoever. They brought in running back Ty Montgomery, who the former Green Bay Packer, New Orleans Saint, who's played a little bit of wide receiver, kind of a gadget type player, similar to what we saw the Atlanta Falcons use Cordero Patterson as. So he's a weapon. But I would love to see New England address wide receiver more. Like we talked about a lot of these moves, the draft still has to happen. There's going to be players who could be drafted by these teams. You look at New England at pick 21, guys like a Traylon Burks out of Arkansas could be an option for them, a Jahan Dotson from Penn State. And then in the second round, you think of guys like Sky Moore from Western Michigan, a David Bell from Purdue as a name to keep an eye on, even a Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, or a Christian Watson from North Dakota State. So there's options there for New England But you would love to see them address address That wide receiver position more Give a second year quarterback in Mac Jones A little more help Look at The New York Jets, the Jets have made some moves To definitely help their young quarterback Zach Wilson's coming into a second year That first year was tough He had some poor play, he dealt with some injuries He had his backup Mike White Come out and just shock the world And lead the Jets to a win over the Cincinnati Bengals, you'd heard rumors Of should they start Mike White even when Zach Wilson's healthy. So the Jets... Put all that to bed, they go out They get Zach Wilson some help This offseason, my favorite move By them is bringing in tight end CJ Uzama on a three year deal worth 24 million dollars, now you can argue That signing guard Lakin Tomlinson The former San Francisco 49er Is just as impactful of a move Given the fact that the pass protection Is much needed for Zach Wilson, but the reason I love the CJ Uzama move Is the Jets didn't really have a tight end Worth anything on the roster Going and getting Zach Wilson Wilson, a good, solid tight end. I'm not going to call Uzama an elite tight end. Uzama has the ability to get to that elite level of tight end play. Played very good up until his injury late in the season. But Uzama is a solid tight end, and he's going to become a security blanket for a Zach Wilson. I love this move by the New York Jets, helping to make Zach Wilson's life that much easier. My least favorite move by the New York Jets, it might be a little nitpicky, But I don't understand the whole signing two kickers idea. They signed Greg the Legs Zerloin, the former Los Angeles Ram and Dallas Cowboy, who has been one of the better kickers in the NFL, had a little bit of a down year last year, but has been arguably one of the better kickers in the NFL the past few seasons. But then today they come out and re-sign kicker Eddie Pinheiro, the former Chicago Bear, to a one-year deal up worth up to $2.75 million. Obviously, that tells me you're probably going to have a kicking competition. I just don't love the idea of having a kicking competition with two guys that you're giving a decent amount of money to. I understand kicking competitions happen. We see it all the time. New England's done it the last couple years with a Nick Folk. They drafted Justin Rowasser, the former Marshall University kicker, in I believe the fifth round as a competition. Last year, they brought in undrafted free agent Quinn Nordine out of Michigan. So kicking competitions definitely happen happen, but a lot of times it's low investment. The Jets have invested a decent amount In both these kickers That doesn't make a ton of sense to me And it could be a little nitpicky Because the Jets have made a ton of moves I really like Looking at some of their other moves They brought back both Mike White and Joe Flacco Solid backup quarterbacks They re-signed Braxton Berrios A guy who has emerged with them You know, you bring in Laked Tomlinson Like I talked about But they also brought in defensive lineman Solomon Thomas Another low-value signing That I really like for them The Jets are having a pretty solid offseason The big thing is going to be What do they do in the draft. They have a ton of holes. Secondary is a position of need. There's going to be guys available for them to draft, whether they choose to go safety Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame or defensive back Derek Stingley at LSU. They could also go Mod Sauce Gardner, the corner from Cincinnati. There's a ton of corners available. If they trade down, they could choose to address the pass rush. you got guys like George Karloftis from Purdue, who you could see mocked them a ton. There's going to be opportunities for the Jets to improve through the draft, but I do love what they've done so far in free agency. Moving on to the AFC North, we've got the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens have been pretty quiet. Only four signings, not a ton to nitpick with them. My favorite move by far is signing offensive tackle Morgan Moses to a three year, $15 million contract. You've got a proven right tackle. You just acquired a proven right tackle. He's not an elite right tackle, but he's a solid right tackle for $5 million a year. That is a great contract, and it is it addresses a position of need. They traded Orlando Brown Jr. last offseason to the Kansas City Chiefs because Orlando Brown Jr. wanted to be a left tackle. He did not want to be a right tackle anymore. There was a hole at right tackle this past offseason. They just filled it with Morgan Moses. Great signing, definitely going to help Lamar Jackson hopefully be able to stay healthy for the entirety of next season. My least favorite move for them would probably be The lack of addressing the pass rush Their pass rush was not good last year The Baltimore Ravens had a bad pass rush They missed Matthew Judon Who had departed in free agency To go to the New England Patriots They needed to address the pass rush So far they brought in defensive tackle Michael Pierce On a three-year $16.5 million contract But like you guys have heard me say Interior defensive tackles Are not where you want to start your pass rush Unless you have an all-world Style defensive tackle like an Aaron donald a fletcher cox a chris jones you're not going to build your pass rush from the defensive tackle position outward you need edge rushers and they're still edge rushers to go with we've talked about the edge rushers available in the draft baltimore holds pick 14 right now you had seen guys like david ajabo the michigan wolverine mock to them but ajabo unfortunately suffered a very horrific injury at his pro day Indications are he's going to miss the entirety of this next year And then should be okay to return In what would be his sophomore year in the NFL So now that a guy like Ojabo's off the table Would a guy like George Loftus from Purdue Be available for them to draft in the first round Obviously last year they took Adafio away The edge rusher from Penn State in the first round You want to see how he develops But the edge rush is a position that Baltimore needs to address Would like to see them throw a little more capital that way Moving on to the Cincinnati Bengals the Bengals have had one of my favorite off-seasons. They've not they've not gone out and signed anybody massive name. They've not gotten the best player available at any position. But what the Bengals have done is they've hit a lot of positions of need at an affordable Way. And my favorite move by them is the signing of offensive lineman Ted Karras. They gave Karras three years, $18 million. And, you know, this is kind of a coin flip for me because I love the signing of guard Alex Kappa, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And I like the signing of Lyle Collins. I won't say I love that signing because Collins' play is kind of up and down. He is, when he is on his game, he's one of the best right tackles in football. He just really hasn't been on his game the past year and a half. But the reason I love the Ted Karras signing is Ted Karras can play. Both guard positions and the center position, he can play at a starting caliber level in the NFL. He's done it for the New England Patriots, he's done it for the Miami Dolphins. I love this signing of Ted Harris it's a budget signing, and you are instantly upgrading one position on that offensive line. Whether it's the center spot, whether it's, you know... I my guess is Karras is either going to play right guard and make sure that we don't see you know Jackson Carmen out there just yet or Hakeem Adeniji he may play center for them but I'm going to guess right guard is the position unless they try to roll Jackson Carmen their second year pro who they drafted in the second round out of Clemson but I love this Ted Karras signing for them my least favorite move from the Cincinnati Bengals. This is another one that's hard to pick a least favorite move. I would say it's the fact that they have not given all pro safety Jesse Bates a long-term extension yet. Jesse Bates is one of the best safeties in football. I understand that Cincinnati is not known for spending a ton of money on free agents, but they've done so in recent, you know, the past two off seasons. They've gone out and they've spent money. You gotta spend money on a guy like Jesse Bates. You can't let him walk. I know they franchise tagged him, so he'll at least be back next year. But I would really like to see them work out a long-term extension for a Jesse Bates. Another move I'd really like to see them work on is they re-signed Eli Apple. They have Mike Hilton, they have Cheetah Bayouzier. I'd, I'd still say the corner position is a position they could look to address, maybe in the middle rounds. Maybe a second-round pick like a Jalen Petrie out of Baylor could be a guy that they look at as a possible option. A Jojo Doman from Nebraska could be a third- or fourth-round pick for them as well. So there's some guys there that Cincinnati could still throw some darts at in the draft as well. Looking at the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns have had an off season. My favorite move by the Cleveland Browns by far is the Deshaun Watson trade. And I know that's going to shock you guys because in the last episode I said the Cleveland Browns will not win a Super Bowl with this current roster with Deshaun Watson. But the reason this is my favorite trade for the Cleveland Browns is... The Browns had already dug their hole. They had already alienated Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was not coming back. He did not want to play for Cleveland anymore. They had already ruined that. That ship had sailed. So if you've alienated the relationship with Baker Mayfield, you had to bring in an elite quarterback. You could not alienate the relationship with Baker Mayfield, a guy who had gotten you to an 11-5 and record in a playoff win in 2020. And then go and bring in a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. At least if they're going to alienate Baker Mayfield, they brought in an elite quarterback like Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying that the draft capital that they ex- they gave up for Deshaun Watson or the contract they gave Deshaun Watson is beautiful. But like I said, when you're trading for an elite quarterback, you're going to have to give up a lot. And at least they brought in an elite quarterback and you're not sitting here going, well, Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be definitively better than Baker Mayfield? That is my favorite move. Now, close second was the Amari Cooper trade. The reason I don't have the Amari Cooper trade as my favorite move is because they didn't keep Jarvis Landry. Now, if they bring Jarvis Landry back on a cheaper deal... I'm going to love this Amari Cooper trade even more because Amari Cooper and Jarvis Landry together is a great wide receiver tandem. But Amari Cooper by himself with a Donovan Peoples Jones and an Anthony Schwartz and a Jakeem Grant is not a wide receiver room I love. So that is why I have the Deshaun Watson trade as my favorite move. My least favorite move is the Deshaun Watson contract. The Deshaun Watson contract is is a bad contract. It's just a bad contract. And I understand that the salary cap in the NFL is pretty much a myth. You can do cap gymnastics and contort salaries to make them fit in any way possible. A lot of times with a contract of Deshaun Watson's size, you're going to see a lot of the base salary converted to a roster, you know, a sign-on bonus or, a you know, incentives. So that way it doesn't affect the cap hit the same. But my issue with this contract is... Was it needed? I talked about it in the last episode. You gave him $80 million, more than any other guaranteed money in NFL history. You gave him $230 million fully guaranteed. Why? Why did you have to give him that much money? You're telling me this guy wouldn't have taken $175 million guaranteed. You're telling me, mind you, the most guaranteed money in NFL history prior to Deshaun Watson's new contract was $150 million guaranteed. You're telling me Deshaun Watson wouldn't have taken $175 million guaranteed? Considering the fact that in Deshaun Watson's introductory press conference, he said the contract was not what made him come to Cleveland. It was the fact that Cleveland gave him the best chance to win. So if you're telling me the contract wasn't the deciding factor, and you're telling me it was the fact that Cleveland gave him the best chance to win... How can Cleveland justify giving him $80 million more million guaranteed than any other player has ever been given in NFL history? The contract's just ugly. It's just, it is an ugly contract. There's no way Cleveland can justify that contract at this point. I understand you need the elite quarterback. I love getting the elite quarterback, but you could have had the elite quarterback at, I would say, at least $50 million less than what you have invested into him now. Moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, The Steelers, my favorite move by a mile is bringing in Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky, in my opinion, deserves a chance to start in the NFL. He's going to get a chance to start in the NFL because there's no way that Mason Rudolph beats out Mitchell Trubisky in a starting job. And at this point, I just I think Dwayne Haskins is a career backup at this point. I love the idea of bringing Mitchell Trubisky in, though, two years 14.25 million dollars and if he hits if he's productive if he's a good football player it's a two-year deal up worth up to possibly 27 million dollars that's 13 and a half million dollars a year for a starting quarterback in the nfl that is great considering we have guys like ryan Tannehill making over 27 million dollars and guys like jared goff on a contract upwards of 100 million dollars i mean. That is great for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They upgraded the quarterback position from a Dwayne Haskins-Mason Rudolph situation. They gave themselves the ability to still draft a rookie quarterback. There's nothing that says if Pittsburgh likes a Malik Willis or if they love a Kenny Pickett that they can't still draft a first-round quarterback, but now they've put themselves in a position to not have to. They can roll into next year with a Mitchell Trubisky. If he's terrible, you're probably going to have a high pick and you're going to be in the market for arguably better prospects than a C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State or a Bryce Young out of Alabama. If he hits, though, you have an affordable quarterback on a good deal and a roster that he can win with. My least favorite move by the Pittsburgh Steelers is giving right – giving right tackle Chikuma Akorafor a three-year, $29.25 million deal with $20 million guaranteed. Akorafor is not a bad tackle. You know, he only gave up two sacks last year, but his play leaves a lot to be desired. With pro football focus, none of his ratings were above 75 in either run blocking or pass blocking. He's a middle-of-the-road tackle. I'd say he's probably somewhere between 20 and 25 as far as right tackle play goes in the NFL, and I just would have liked to have seen Pittsburgh bring him in on a lower value deal. Considering the fact they brought in guard James Daniels on a 3 twenty-six point or $26.5 million deal. And I would argue James Daniels is a much better offensive lineman than Chikuma Akorafor. I would have liked to have seen them, if they were going to re-sign Akorafor, re-sign him for much less money. But that can be a little bit of a nitpicky, you know... Situation, considering the fact that Pittsburgh just desperately needs offensive line play, and they did address it. You know, you re-sign a four, you bring in a James Daniels, you bring in an offensive lineman like Mason Cole. And like we said, at pick 20, there's going to be offensive linemen Pittsburgh could go with. Do they go offensive tackle Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa? Do they look at a Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan? Could they, if a Tyler Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa, if he falls to them, could that be a guy they go with? Do they go interior line and go with a Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M? A lot of options for Pittsburgh to go. Just would have liked to have seen them maybe get a quarter four back on a lower deal. Moving on to the AFC South, the Houston Texans have signed a lot of guys and um, none of them are exactly exciting. I'd say probably my favorite move that the Houston Texans made is bringing in offensive lineman A.J. Cann on a two-year $10.5 million deal with $4.5 million guaranteed. Can has a lot of starting experience, most notably with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is going to raise the floor of that offensive line. He's going to make it a better offensive line. And it's going to give second-year pro Davis Mills just a better chance to showcase if he is the guy or not. You know, like I said, not a ton of attractive moves by the Houston Texans, but this would probably be my favorite for them. My least favorite move from the Houston Texans, honestly, I would probably say it's the amount that they're investing in the running back position just overall. You know, they re-signed Rex Burkhead. They have David Johnson that, you know, the former Arizona Cardinal that they acquired in the trade for with DeAndre Hopkins So you've got those two on the roster Then you bring in Royce Freeman as well You have Dara Gwable as well You bring in fullback Andy Janovich The former Cleveland Brown I just don't understand Why they are throwing so many darts At middle of the road running back you don't need five running backs on your roster, especially not five middle of the road. If you're going to have five running backs on your roster, at least do it similar to what New England does, to where they all bring a different skill set where you have a James White as a pass catcher, a Damian Harris, a Ramadre Stevenson. I'm okay if you have running backs like that. But having guys like Royce Freeman and Rex Burkhead does not move the needle for me whatsoever. So that would probably be my least favorite move in Houston. Looking at the Indianapolis Colts, By far, best move the Colts have made trading for Matt Ryan. You give up literally a third-round pick to bring in Matt Ryan to silence all of the haters who hated the Carson Wentz trade, both trading for him and then trading him away. I love that trade for them. Matt Ryan instantly makes the Colts relevant again. My least favorite move for the Indianapolis Colts is their lack of addressing the wide receiver position. T.Y. Hilton's still available. They're, you know, T.Y. Hilton spent the entirety of his career with the Indianapolis Colts since coming out of Florida International, but I would love to see the Colts get a wide receiver opposite Michael Pittman Jr. They need to address that wide receiver position. Like we talked about, there are wide receivers in this draft. There are some very talented wide receivers in this draft. The issue is, though, the Indianapolis Colts do not have a first-round pick because they traded it to the Philadelphia Eagles last year to bring Carson Wentz in. So now you're looking at second-round wide receivers like we talked about, a David Bell from Purdue, a Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. Guys like that are going to have to be guys that the Indianapolis Colts are looking at. They have to address that wide receiver position, though. Just no way around it at this point. Looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jaguars are another team who spent a lot of money. Didn't spend a lot of money on guys that I'm loving. I love the Brandon Sheriff signing. The Brandon Sheriff signing is my favorite move for them because it is an elite level guard. Brandon Sheriff's been one of the best guards in football for the duration of his career. He spent the entirety of his career there in Washington I love Brandon Sheriff as a football player. He is instantly going to help make sure that not only their run game with a Travis Etienne and a James Robinson is better, but he's going to make sure Trevor Lawrence is better protected. And I love the fact that Jacksonville is investing in the protection of their young quarterback. My least favorite move for them is the amount of money that they spent on Zay Jones and Christian Kirk combined. I like Christian Kirk, and I like Zay Jones as players. If you told me that Zay Jones and Christian Kirk were your wide receiver 2-3, and I would absolutely love that. But the fact that you're giving Christian Kirk a four-year, $72 million contract, $37 million guaranteed, that has a max value of $84 million with incentives, then you give Zay Jones a three-year, $24 million contract that has a max value of $30 million with incentives, that is way too much money for two dudes who have not produced at an elite level in the NFL yet. I just I don't understand why the Jacksonville Jaguars felt they needed to give Christian Kirk the type of money that Jarvis Landry just got cut for. Jarvis Landry was set to make about $16 million this upcoming season in Cleveland, and the Browns cut him because they didn't want to pay him that much. Yeah, Jacksonville's going to pay Christian Kirk $17 million this year. That is absurd. I don't understand that one at all. You know, Even if those guys are productive for them, are they going to be wide receiver one production? I don't see it. I don't understand spending that kind of money on that position. Look at the Tennessee Titans. Best move the Titans have made is trading for wide receiver Robert Woods. You give up a 2023 sixth round pick. I know Robert Woods is coming off a torn ACL. And, you know, what is he going to look like? But Robert Woods, when healthy, is a top 25 to 30 wide receiver in the NFL, without a doubt. Love pairing him with an A.J. Brown, you know. They brought in Julio last year to hopefully replace what they lost in Corey Davis when he departed to go to the New York Jets. Obviously, the Julio situation didn't work out. I love the fact that they immediately take another swing at it by bringing in a Robert Woods. My least favorite move by the Tennessee Titans, really the Titans haven't made a ton of moves that I don't like. I would say my least favorite move, though, is releasing guard Roger Saffold. I understand you had to cut him due to cap, you know, situation, and they tried to bring in a replacement. I'm going to guess that Jamarco Jones, the former Seattle Seahawk, is going to have a chance to compete for a starting spot there. But I just really would have liked to have seen them kept a guy like a Roger Saffold. Roger Saffold's a starting guard, you know, a solid starting guard in the NFL. I just really would have liked to have seen them kept him. But the, the Titans haven't made a ton of moves not to like, you know, they brought in tight end Austin Hooper, helps raise the floor of that tight end room. Now it's not just Jeff Swain there. Love that move for them. You hope that second-year corner Caleb Farley hits for them. You need to see that quarterback position get better. You know, the Titans, there's a lot they could do in the draft. Do the Titans look at the offensive line? Do the Titans look at wide receiver? At a wide receiver three, maybe in the middle rounds? Do they think that a Des Fitzpatrick, the former Louisville Cardinal, is going to develop for them? Do they look at that defense? I mean, the pass rush... I know they gave Harold Landry a massive contract this offseason, and then last offseason they gave a match of massive contract to Bud Dupree, the former Pittsburgh Steeler. But do they look at pass rush in the middle round? There's going to be some interior D linemen like a Perry on Winfrey from Oklahoma in the middle round who could be a solid get for them. So it'll be interesting to see what Tennessee does in the draft and in the second wave of free agency. Moving on to the AFC West, looking at the Denver Broncos. You have to, I mean, the, your favorite move has to be Bringing in quarterback Russell Wilson. I mean, they upgraded the quarterback position. We're not looking at Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke or a Brett Rippon anymore. You have Russell Wilson. That's a great move. I love that move. My least favorite move for the Denver Broncos... I would say it's the amount of money they gave to Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory has never played an entire season in the NFL. He's had several issues with suspensions, and you give him five years, $70 million. Now, I I know only $28 million is guaranteed, but I'd still like to have seen them maybe go for a lower-end pass rusher, a cheaper pass rusher, or if you're going to give that type of money, maybe give it to a more proven commodity like Avon Miller. Just not sure I love giving Randy Gregory that type of money. Looking at the Kansas City Chiefs, My favorite move by far is getting Juju Smith-Schuster on a one-year $10.75 million deal that is essentially a $3.25 million salary with upwards of about $7 million in incentives. So really the base salary for Juju Smith-Schuster is about $3.25 million. That is a steal for the Kansas City Chiefs. I love that move. Least favorite move by a mile is trading Tyreek Hill. I understand that he forced your hand. But I really... I think I would have called his bluff at that point. Tyree Kill adds so much to the Chiefs' offense. Tyree Kill made Travis Kelsey an elite tight end. And I know that's going to be a bit of a controversial take because Travis Kelsey is one of the best tight ends in football. But Tyree Kill made Travis Kelsey's life that much easier because with Tyree Kill on the field... Teams had to keep a deep a deep safety. You couldn't bring a safety up in the box to either spy on Patrick Mahomes when he would scramble or to help cover a Travis Kelsey. Having Tyreek Hill on the field pretty much guaranteed that Travis Kelsey was either going to be covered by a slot corner who was, who was much smaller than him or was going to be covered by a linebacker who was much slower than him. No Tyreek Hill is going to make Travis Kelsey's life that much harder. we at the Las Vegas Raiders. Favorite move, bringing in Devontae Adams. I understand that you gave him a massive contract and I just complained about the Dolphins doing this with Tyree Hill, giving him quarterback money for a wide receiver. But the reason I love the Devontae Adams trade is because the Raiders have their quarterback. They have Derek Carr. They know they have their franchise guy. So if you have your franchise guy, go get him that elite wide receiver. And the fact that, Devonte Adams and Derek Carr were college teammates at Fresno State, makes me love this move even more. My least favorite move for them is actually who they brought in at head coach. Not that Josh McDaniels is a bad coach, it's just the fact that I really felt that Rich Bisaccia deserved this job and would have loved to have seen them kept Rich Bisaccia. And what that tells you if my least favorite move of your offseason is bringing in a coach Chances are your offseason's not that bad, and it hasn't been. Outside of Devontae Adams, they've also looked to bring in backup running backs Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden, which I love for them because I think Josh Jacobs is maybe not the bell cow back he looked like at the beginning of his career. Then you bring in Demarcus Robinson to be a solid wide receiver three or four. Love that move. Love bringing in defensive end Chandler Jones and defensive tackle Vernon Butler to help that defensive line. Really like what the Raiders are doing this offseason. The Chargers win the offseason for me. My favorite move is their entire offseason. You'll get bringing in tight tight end Gerald Everett. He was solid with the Rams, declined a little bit with the Seahawks last year, but I love the move getting a little bit younger at the tight end position and making sure that Justin Herbert has solid tight end play. Love the fact that they re-signed Mike Williams. Obviously bringing in Khalil Mack and JC Jackson is massive. I just love the Chargers offseason. I don't know that I hate any of their moves. I'd say my least favorite move is just the uncertainty at right tackle at this point they did cut right tackle brian bulaga the former green bay packer so you know let's see what they do at right tackle there's going to be some tackles available like we talked about trevor penning bernard raymond both going to be available let's see what they do at right tackle that could end up being my least favorite move for them the dallas cowboys my least favorite move is the amount of guys the dallas cowboys have lost they lost randy gregory They lost Cedric Wilson. I don't like losing guys like that if I'm the Dallas Cowboys. They need those guys. You lost your kicker, Greg Zerlund. Who are you bringing in at that point? Dallas is a team that needs to win. You've got big contracts like Ezekiel Elliott. You've got big contracts like Dak Prescott. The fact that you lost those guys, the fact that you had to trade in Amari Cooper, this is not good if I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. My those, So that's my least favorite move for them. My favorite move for them is probably the signing of wide receiver James Washington on a one-year deal. If you're going to lose Cedric Wilson, If you're going to lose a Cooper, if you're going to say that we're going to invest in Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb, you need a solid wide receiver three. And I think James Washington could be that for them. They've got other wide receivers on the roster, whether it's second year pro Simi Fihoko out of Stanford or Noah Brown. They've got some options there, but I like bringing in James Washington to make sure wide receiver three is not a massive position in need. Moving on to the New York Giants' favorite move, Tyrod Taylor, giving Daniel Jones competition. The exact same thing we said about Tua Tagovailoa can be said about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones needs competition because this is a make-it-or-break-it year for Daniel Jones. Tyrod Taylor is not an elite starter, but he's one of the best backups in football and can definitely start. I put him in the same category as a guy like Case Keenum, so I love that move. My least favorite move for the New York Giants, really the Giants haven't done a ton that I dislike heavily, I'd say that I'd like to see them maybe address the pass rush a little bit more. They brought in Aziz Ojolarie last year, the second-round pick out of Georgia. So obviously you hope he continues to develop. I would say I'd like to see them address that pass rush a little more. And there's a lot of options for them to do that. They did bring in Jihad Ward, the defensive end. He's a solid rotational pass rusher, but you would like to see them maybe do a little more with the pass rush. Philadelphia Eagles' favorite move is bringing in Hassan Redick. Getting a little bit younger on the pass rush. They did bring back Derek Barnett. They re-signed Fletcher Cox. So the pass rush stays intact for the most part. But adding a Hassan Reddick and getting a little younger at that pass rush. Love that for the Philadelphia Eagles. Least favorite move is the lack of addressing the wide receiver position. They re-signed Greg Ward and they brought in Zach Pascal. Zach Pascal at best is a wide receiver 4 or 5. And that's about all they've done at wide receiver. They need to get something opposite Devontae Smith. Like we said, there's a ton of wide receivers available in this draft, and Philadelphia currently possesses three first-round picks. They have pick 15, pick 16, and pick 19. They could package those picks to move up to get a game-changing wide receiver like a Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State or a Drake London out of USC, or they could stay pat and take a guy like a Chris Olave out of Ohio State or take a Jamison Williams out of Alabama. There's options there for them, but they absolutely have to address wide receiver more, in my opinion. The Washington Commanders, my favorite move of the offseason is bringing in Carson Wentz. You brought in Carson Wentz, you brought in a quarterback who is better than Taylor Heineke, who is better than Kyle Allen, and you didn't have to give up a first-round pick to do it. I understand you're going to pay him $28 million this year, and that's not great, and because you're going to pay him $28 million, you had to cut solid rotational pass rushers like a Matt Ioannidis, and I don't love that. But I do love the fact that they upgraded at quarterback. My least favorite move for the Washington Commanders this offseason is the fact that they named themselves the Washington Commanders. You hyped up this name change. You got us all hyped for a name change. And you picked Commanders. I, I don't understand. At that point, couldn't you have just stayed the Washington football team? You picked the Washington Commanders. What is going what am I going to shorten Commanders to? I'm going to call you the Commies at that point. You're the Washington Commies. You couldn't have just stayed the Washington football team at that point by far my least favorite move for the Washington Commanders this year. The Chicago Bears. It's been interesting for the Chicago Bears. I do I have to pick a favorite move for them? I'd say my favorite move is bringing in Byron Pringle. that's just because it's the only move I have anything nice to say about. They brought Byron Pringle in on a one-year, $4 million fully guaranteed contract. And Byron Pringle is, at worst, going to be a wide receiver three for them. They just don't have a clear wide receiver one. Darnell Mooney is at least a wide receiver two in the NFL. I just don't know who wide receiver one is for them. I would have liked to have seen them maybe just pay Allen Robinson and get him the football. But I guess Byron Pringle is my favorite move for them. My least favorite move for the Chicago Bears is probably their entire offseason. It's just not a pretty offseason. I mean, you bring in Trevor Simeon to be a backup. You bring in Byron Pringle. You bring in wide receiver Equinemius St. Brown, the former Green Bay Packer. You bring in backup guard Lucas Patrick, the former Green Bay Packer. I guess I would say bringing in Dakota Dozier, the former guard of the Minnesota Vikings, would be my least favorite move, if nothing else, because I legitimately think Dakota Dozier may be the worst guard in the NFL. His tape is abysmal. It is hard to watch, so I guess I'm going to go with Dakota Dozier as my least favorite move for the Chicago Bears. (laughs) Looking at the Detroit Lions, favorite move for the Lions is that DJ Chark signing. I really think Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be a solid wide receiver for years to come for the Detroit Lions, and I love the fact that they went and got a DJ Chark, a solid wide receiver, too, to pair him with. I think this is a great move. Now, I know it's only a one-year deal, so he's going to hit free agency again next year. I just like the move for the Detroit Lions. I, not a ton I dislike with the Detroit Lions. They haven't done, you know, where they have spent money, it's not been bad. They haven't spent a ton of money. I would, I'll probably say my least favorite move for the Detroit Lions will be if they draft Malik Willis at number two overall. And I, I I talked about it last episode. I think there's a legitimate chance that Malik Willis could go number two overall. And he has a lot of tools and intangibles and traits that I love. He's got the ability to run. He's got the big arm. He can make the wow plays. I just think the Detroit Lions have a ton of holes. And in my opinion, the best thing for them to do at number two is to trade down. I know they have a pick, another pick in the first round. They have pick 32 that they got from the Los Angeles Rams in the Matthew Stafford trade. But at this point, if Malik Willis is what you're looking at it to, trade down. Get out of the number two pick at that point. But like I said, Detroit hasn't done a ton at this point that I dislike. The Green Bay Packers, my least favorite move by a mile is everything they've done at wide receiver. If you're going to bring Aaron Rodgers back, that tells me you want to win now, right? So if you're going to bring Aaron Rodgers back and you want to win now, how do you not make sure that Devontae Adams is going to come back? And then when you have to give up Devontae Adams, at least you get another first-round pick, right? So then you're going to invest in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, right? You're going to make him the guy. No. He walks. He goes to Kansas City on a three-year, $30 million contract. I mean, I just don't understand their move at wide receiver right now. Right now, you got guys like Amari Rodgers, the former Clemson Tiger, Alan Lazard, the former Iowa State Cyclone. Like... That wide receiver room's just not good. I, I, that's by far my least favorite move. I, I mean, I don't like a ton here. I don't like a ton that Green Bay's done this offseason. They re signed Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas, guys who had breakout years for them last year, so I guess I like that. But there's a lot I just don't like in Green Bay. Like I said, I don't like what they're doing at wide receiver, I don't like the fact that you re sign Preston Smith the linebacker, to the former Mississippi State Bulldog. You give him a big contract, and I understand that you did that to help save on the cap this year, but you give him a big contract, but then you have to cut linebacker to Darius Smith, who's arguably your best pass rusher. I just Green Bay's offseason does not make a lot of sense to me, and I'm not a huge fan of it. Looking at the Minnesota Vikings, favorite move is giving Kirk Cousins that contract. I know one year, $35 million fully guaranteed. That will put him under contract through 2023 doesn't seem like a great move but it gives them the cap flexibility to make a signing like bringing in edge rusher Zadarius Smith, which was a huge need for them. They needed a viable pass rusher opposite Daniil Hunter. They got it with Zadarius Smith, and the whole reason they had the cap money to do it was because they gave Kirk Cousins that contract extension. That's why I love that Kirk Cousins signing so much. My least favorite move is their lack of addressing interior offensive line. You got guys like Garrett Bradbury still slated to start. I don't love that. The only interior offensive line signing they've made is bringing in former Miami Dolphin Jesse Davis. And if you were so bad in Miami that Miami didn't want you to start on their offensive line anymore, and mind you, Miami's offensive line is one of the worst in football, chances are you're not moving the needle with your new team. Not a huge fan of bringing in Jesse Davis at all. Look at the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons. It's so tough because this is a clear team in a rebuild. This is a team who clearly, if you're trading Matt Ryan for a third round pick and you're willing to eat $40 million of his salary, that tells me if you're taking a dead cap hit of $40 million and only getting a third round pick, you're rebuilding. So in that instance, my favorite move for them is signing Auden Tate, the wide receiver, the former Cincinnati Bengal, the former Florida State Seminole in a one-year prove-it deal. And Auden Tate was kind of a forgotten man in that wide receiver core in Cincinnati, but he is a massive wide receiver, and he's got potential. And I like the idea because you lose Russell Gage, Julio Jones is gone, Calvin Ridley suspended for the whole year. What do you have at that wide receiver position? take a flyer on a guy like Gordon Tate see if he can be productive see if he can produce see if he can become something i like that move there my least favorite move for the atlanta falcons just i don't really know that i have a least favorite move for them there's nothing that they've done that i hate i understand moving on from matt ryan you weren't winning this roster's not built to win right now i would say my least favorite move is that lack of pass rush and like i said we've you've heard me talk about it with several other teams pass rush is going to be available in the draft I just think when Atlanta picks at pick eight, there's a legitimate chance they go quarterback. And because of that, what are you getting at pass rush at that point? Are you looking at an edge-rushing linebacker like a Brian Asamoa from Oklahoma? Could that be a potential pick for them at this point? I'd just like to see them do a little more with their pass rush at this point. Carolina, you just missed out on every quarterback you've wanted. I, Carolina's done a lot of just low-budget signings. I do like them bringing in Rashard Higgins. I'm going to call that my favorite move. I also do like Austin Corbett as well, the guard, the former Cleveland Brown and Los Angeles Ram. The reason I'm going to go Higgins, though, is you have DJ Moore, you have Robbie Anderson, you have Terrence Marshall Jr. from the former LSU Tiger. Bringing in Higgins helps kind of complete that wide receiver core and give you four solid options for whoever plays quarterback. It looks like it's probably going to have to be Sam Darnold. My least favorite move is the fact that they're going into next year with Sam Darnold as their starting quarterback with a cap hit of $18.85 million. That's just not a good place to be if you're any NFL team. That's my least favorite move for Carolina. Looking at the New Orleans Saints, favorite move for the New Orleans Saints is bringing back Jameis. Given Jameis two years, $28 million, only $15.2 million fully guaranteed. You're getting a starting quarterback who's a viable starting quarterback. He's probably when fully healthy a top 20 starting quarterback in the NFL right now you got him for 14 million dollars a year. I like this for the New Orleans Saints. my least favorite move for the New Orleans Saints is losing left tackle Teron Armstead given the fact that you still have guys like Andres Pete making big money on your offensive line playing you know average to slightly above average play well, you could have resigned Taron Armstead I just I don't like losing a left tackle of Teron Armstead's cal- Taron Armstead's caliber. Look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers favorite move is the fact that somehow they convinced Tom Brady to come out of retirement because now we don't have to see if Kyle Trask is a starting quarterback just yet. That just leave it at that. You get Tom Brady, the goat to come out of retirement. Great move. Least favorite move for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know that I actually have any. This is going to be the one team that I don't have a least favorite move with. Because when you look at it, they re-signed Carlton Davis, re-signed Ryan Jensen, re-signed Brashad Perryman, re-signed Chris Godwin, brought in wide receiver Russell Gage, traded for guard Shaq Mason, one of the top guards in football, brought in defensive back Logan Ryan. They've they've done really well. I would, If I had to nitpick a move, I would say giving Le- Leonard Fournette three years, $21 million, just wasn't needed. But if I'm telling you your my least favorite meal, my least favorite meal, I'm my least favorite move is giving Leonard Fournette seven million a year. Chances are you had a pretty good offseason. Looking at the NFC West moving along here, trying to wrap it up. Arizona Cardinals favorite move is bringing back Zach Ertz. Tight end three years, 31.65 million dollars. Like I said, tight end is a young quarterback's best friend. Zach Ertz, still one of the better tight ends in football. Love that move for the Arizona Cardinals. My least favorite move is whatever is going on with Kyler Murray. We saw the sos- the whole social media scrub earlier this offseason where he deleted all of his photos with the Cardinals. There's rumors that he wants this insane contract extension would make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. They just need to figure that out. You don't want to go back to what Arizona had before where we're starting guys like Max Hall and John Skelton at quarterback. Got to make sure that you get that one taken care of. The Los Angeles Rams, another team who have had a great offseason. My favorite move is getting Allen Robinson, although let me tell you that Matt Stafford contract is not too bad. The Matt Stafford contract is the re-signing of him on three years, $129 million, especially when we see guys like what, Aaron Rodgers just re-signed for and what we saw Deshaun Watson get. I do like that Matt Stafford contract extension. But the reason I'm going Allen Robinson here is Allen Robinson goes for three years, $46.5 million. And given what the Jaguars gave to guys like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, for the Rams to get an Allen Robinson and pair him with a Cooper Cup, absolutely love it. They also have Van Jefferson, the, flo- the former Florida Gator, and then former second-round pick Tutu Atwell. I like that wide receiver room there in Los Angeles. The least favorite move for the Rams is the fact that they gave up a second and third round pick and then didn't re sign Von Miller. And that's pretty nitpicky given the fact that Von Miller helped them win a Super Bowl. Rams fans obviously aren't going to care because they have the Super Bowl at this point. Looking at the San Francisco 49ers, 49ers haven't done a ton of big moves just yet. I'll tell you my least favorite move first for them. The least favorite move is the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is still on your roster. You don't trade up into the top three to draft Trey Lance and then us still have to wonder if Trey Lance is definitively going to be your starter next year. you got to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they've sat on him too long. I think now that guys like Carson Wentz have been traded, we've seen Russell Wilson, we've seen Aaron Rodgers where they're going now, you've seen Deshaun Watson where he's going, now guys like Baker Mayfield don't have a home. I think Jimmy Garoppolo may be stuck on that roster next season, and I don't love that if I'm a San Francisco 49er fan. My favorite move for them is bringing in corner Trevarius Ward. I do like that move. He's a solid corner. He's not one of the you know top fifteen corners in the NFL, but he's a solid defensive back. He's going to give them good play at three years, forty point five million dollars. It's a good move for an elite forty nine er defense. The Seattle Seahawks have just not had an offseason that I like at all. I mean, I. Do. It's hard to pick a favorite move for them. My least favorite move for them is the re signing of tight end Will Disley at three years, $24 million. And that's just simply because when you traded Russell Wilson, one of the things you got back was a solid young tight end and Noah Fant. So if you get a solid young tight end and Noah Fant, why are we giving $24 million to a backup tight end and Will Disley? That one makes absolutely no sense. I guess my favorite move is. The draft picks that they got for Russell Wilson. And what I mean by that is the Seahawks didn't have a first round pick because they had traded it to the Jets for Jamal Adams. In the Russell Wilson trade, you now have a top 10 pick. You have pick nine. So if I'm going to find a silver lining in the Seahawks offseason, at least you got back into the first round. You have some draft capital to work with. That is probably my favorite move from the Seattle Seahawks this offseason. But that's all we got for you guys today. We've gone through all 32 NFL teams. I know it was a little bit of a longer episode today. But hey, these teams are out here wheeling and dealing. So we got to cover it. We'll be back later this week with a first round mock draft for you guys. I'm going to give you guys my first edition of my mock draft. Tell you who I think is going where in the first round of this upcoming draft. But like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.